My name's Hayden Kutris. And my name's Wesley Giffen. And we are the, the Dive In, in Movie Cast, a most excellent film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. Today, we're going to be diving into the, uh, the Bill and Ted trilogy. All three of the films, back to back, we're going to be giving our opinions on them and just uh, looking into their, their impact on pop culture and, uh, and comedy films in, in general. Yeah, I had never seen a single Bill and Ted movie, and then this past week I watched all three of them, and I'm like, ah, so amazing. I've been air guitaring in our house. Just like lo- we look at each other, and then a, p- a moment is there, and then we just air guitar. I've been saying, dude, excellent, <laughs> bodacious, heinous, like so much more. I think this is the most I've ever said the two words most excellent in my entire life. Now I'm throwing in like indubitably in my vocabulary. <laughs> like they got me really wiling and learning English now. I'm going to be in like the middle of my theater class and I'll have just have had a bad week and somebody asked me, somebody will ask me how my week went. I'll be like, it was most heinous. <laughs> most heinous. <laughs> It was most non non heinous. One thing these movies definitely are uh, they're they're certainly not heinous. They are certainly not heinous. They are most excellent. I like we were talking about giving each movie a ranking like as far as first, second, third, but I genuinely don't think we can. Like I I like all three of those movies too much to be able to have to rank them. They're they're one of those perfect trilogies where like they know exactly what they're doing and I hate to say like Oh, it knows exactly what it's what it's doing because it's a cliche comment. But with Bill and Ted, they know exactly what purpose they serve. And uh, I had never seen any of them, like like you just said. And everybody was telling me, Hayden, you need to watch the Bill and Ted movies. You'd love them. And I just seen so many people talking about them on Letterbox with like the third one coming out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I checked them all out. I binged all three of them back to back, and I am so glad I did because these so movies good. are just so much fun. Yeah, and like we were talking about it earlier, and. Uh, we'll get into it a little more about how they're like the c- kind of classic stoner movies, like that kind of style. Um, but uh, Morgan had mentioned that uh, it was kind of like the classic or what Harold and Kumar kind of aspired from. Like that's where they came from was Bill and Ted because it's that classic duo, best friends, stoner kind of style comedy. Yeah, just like the stoner buddy style thing. Yeah. It's it's sort of like if you mixed Cheech and Chong with Back to the Future. Exactly. What, That's a pretty good way is. of putting it together. Yeah. And like I even have in my notes here, like you just said, like uh, I was going to talk about it's just its cult following and its pop culture influence. And like you can really see that in movies like Superbad mm-hmm. and, uh, and Beavis and Butthead. And yeah. Harold and Kumar, like those movies are clearly very inspired by that type of humor from Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. What is, um, I'm trying to think, what is, is it Wayne's World? Is that the Wayne's other World. one yeah. I'm thinking of? Mm-hmm. With, um, what's his name? Mike Myers. Mike Myers, that's what I'm thinking of. Um, I, I see a lot of that too, um, like in the scene where they are always going into that music store just to check out that guitar. They're not going to buy it, but they like check it out and play it every, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I there's so much there's so much influence from all of these things. And I think especially with the early Bill and Ted movies, it's a lot of like pop culture and it's clearly in the way that Bill and Ted dress, like the classic um he Bill's got the shirt on and he's just got like a t shirt with a flannel over it, but it's like unbuttoned the top three and he's always got the backwards ball cap on. Yeah. I find that is it 
I feel like Bill's Ted, Bill's Ted, <laughs> Bill's wardrobe doesn't change as much as Ted's does. Like uh, I feel like Ted evolved from the first movie to the second movie. I would agree. Yeah, you can really see his fit changes. But Bill's like, I'm gonna keep, I'm, and he even keeps the flannel in the newest one. Like he's always got the flannel on. Bill S. Preston Esquire does not need a new fit. He's got, he's got the. <laughs> He has got it on lockdown. He yeah, knows what exactly. he wants to wear. He knows exactly. the kind of style. Dates change and years go by, but he has traveled through time so much and realized that his style is the best style. Yep. Traveled through all of time, and he was just like, nah, I'm good. This is, this is an absolute fit. <laughs> I, I agree, though. He's got – it's an amazing style. And even when, even when he's, like, older – when they're, like, older, Bill and Ted, like, as they progress – throughout the years in this newest one it's so funny to see like the way they're dressed and everything like uh it's it's a really fun time i was gonna ask like a second ago like what is your general consensus on this on this trilogy i i think it's really fun like i like it a lot because it doesn't try to set like a standard for itself and then beat that standard it just has fun with itself um and it's just got this amazing cast of characters and an unlimited resource of historians to reach into and just like take out. And it's like, oh, I want, let's put um, Neil Armstrong in this movie. Sure, why not? Yeah. Let's do it. Like, there's, there's so many figures from throughout history that they have the opportunity to use in, in this trilogy. Yeah. And I think one of the things that makes it great is the fact that it just it doesn't try and be serious with history and it doesn't try to stick to everything it's like oh let's just take mozart from uh, him playing a concert and he'll come outside and be like wow you guys are cool i'm gonna go with you guys let's go on a time adventure i love um i don't want to mess up the pronunciation because it'll make me sound stupid but in in excellent adventure i love socrates oh yeah and just he's so funny in that because he doesn't even understand what they're saying. He's just like, all right, we're going on an adventure. He's and just, he just there. goes with them. Uh, yeah, I love how they call him. I think it, they call him Socrates, but it's it's Socrates. There it is. Yeah. Um, is his real name. Uh, well, I mean, how we pronounce it might have been pronounced different when they were speaking different. Uh, what were they speaking? Latin? I don't know. Something like that. Um, But, yeah, I, I love that, too. The fact that they never uh change that it's always socrates and even when bill the kid is like come on socrates yeah just everyone starts calling him that but then finally they do say his name right at the in the final performance they're like yeah my our good friend socrates <laughs> they they're uh they gave him the respect of actually pronouncing his name right that yeah, last time exactly and then <laughs> i also love how when ted translates for him um it's ted has no idea what he's trying to say but he does his best I so. think, don't they literally just, they capture his attention by just saying, all we are is dust in the wind, dude. Yeah, they're like, I think they're quoting, it must be song lyrics. Yeah, from Kansas, Dust in the Wind yeah. by, by Kansas, yeah. Classic song. And I also, they also quote song lyrics when they go into uh, heaven, when they get accepted into heaven, yeah. the second one. I can't remember what song it is, and I should know, but. Before we get into this in full, uh, it's important to just say, yeah, we're going to spoil the entire Bill and Ted yep. trilogy, every single one, <laughs> all of them. I mean, spoilers are one of those things in a in a uh, trilogy like this where it's kind of loose and it's not that big of a deal, anyways. But yeah, we're definitely going to be getting into everything about it. So, but if you haven't seen it, oh my goodness, check all of them out. It's so fun. It's just a good time. They're on Amazon Prime, so just seek them out. Well, the third one's not; it just came out. So rent that one, support them, because uh, a one thing that I was going to bring up in my notes is a trilogy 
for Bill and Ted is something nobody really ever thought would happen. Yeah. Like for the longest time, it was just the first and second film and nobody really had a desire for the third film Mm -hmm. until like nostalgia really started to kick in in like recent years. And everyone's like, okay, what if we like pick back up and seeing where they were at? Yeah. But this is one of those things where it's like, we got to support it and give Hollywood the money that they deserve for this one because this is such like an oddball uh, third movie. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a risk and gamble. And I'm glad that, it seems to have worked out mm-hmm. with like them releasing it on VOD and everything, and it it's done pretty well, I think. So yeah, this a movie like this, it needs the the time of day and the respect because it's mm-hmm. such a weird movie to get like a finale in a trilogy that people long thought was just a do like two movies. Yeah, exactly. And to see them as older them and just like hang out with oh, what is what are Bill and Ted like as dads and as husbands? Like, it's funny to see that because they still have their old Bill and Ted charm yeah. while being adults, I guess. And, and it just feels right, like, to have a, a third movie in, in this type of uh, trilogy. Like, seeing them as adults and picking back up just felt like the natural progression after yeah. all this time, like, 30 years later, just, like, to pick back up and see what their lives are like with families and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just... It felt like that needed to happen. Yeah. I don't know, like, I'm... I'm for a long time, I'm assuming this hasn't been planned. Like this only came back. Uh, they only started talking about making a third movie in in recent years. Mm-hmm. And it to me, it feels like one of those natural things where, if I was watching those first two, I was just like, it'd be really cool to pick back up with them in a long time and see where they're at. Yeah, especially since where the second one ends off, where we see like you in the end credits, you get to see like, oh, they're these huge stars, and now death is part of their band. Um, also, that's so metal. Like, that's ridiculously metal. I death love it. The fact that Death is band. part of the band, but he plays bass and he's just chilling. And then he tries to make a solo rap career. <laughs> he's out here doing 40-minute bass guitar solos. 40-minute bass solos, man. I have never seen a 40-minute bass solo in my life. Death could show you a 40-minute bass solo. Death could melt my face off with a 40-minute bass solo. You just got to find a way to lazy yourself and then just, like, play cards <laughs> with him or something and then... You'll exactly. Play hopscotch. Yeah. Um. But what were we talking about before we got onto Death's bass solos? Oh, I. <laughs> I'm glad you remembered because I was not about to. Yeah. Um. We were just talking about how uh the trilogy is unexpected. Like the third one's unexpected, and I think it's a fun time because the fact that the people who watched Bill and Ted when it first came out probably were teenagers Mm -hmm. and now they are definitely adults and to see like Bill and Ted grow as they grow I'm sure that's so much fun I see a lot of like news articles being like Bill and Ted's midlife crisis is uh, excellent like they are calling it like kind of like a midlife crisis because that's what it feels like it's like a midlife crisis for them but it's also a entire universe crisis yeah it's really cool picking up with them after at the ending of the second movie, you you think you've watched them make the song that's going to unite the world, but you have not. And then it picks back up like thirty years later, and they just they still they they achieved success as a rock band, but they didn't unite the world or anything. No. And it's cool to pick back up with them and see them still desperately trying to unite the world with, through song. I uh I kudos to Keanu Reeves if he actually learned how to play theremin. That's that instrument that he's playing with the oh, big. Oh yeah. Uh, it's a really weird instrument where it's all about sonic something or other and you essentially like put your hand close to the metal pole and it makes weird noises like bodacious excellent most excellent so i hope that 
in the next John Wick movie, uh, he hits somebody over the head with a theremin as he plays it. Yeah, give us give us John Wick in a phone booth just as like an <laughs> Easter egg to Bill and Ted. I know, right? I would have loved that if just John Wick was there. <laughs> and Ted's like, dude, when did I get so cool? Something <laughs> yeah. like that. If John Wick was one of the alternate timeline Ted's that you see in the third movie. I want the next John Wick, instead of John Wick, it's actually Ted. and And they're like you've betrayed the secret circle of assassins and he's like excellent dude (laughs) Uh, but i don't think we'll ever get to see that no unfortunately not that sounds like a fever dream but you know what hollywood's gotten really good at financing fever dreams who knows year we got bill and ted three after like 30 years or whatever so so anything could happen exactly i wanted to dive in really quickly to it's, it's pop culture impact and just how much it's really influenced. Like we already briefly brought up some of the things it's inspired, mm-hmm. but you can see where it draws its influence from, from, like I said, like things like Cheech and Chong. Yeah. And it's got that, like, it's not a direct stoner movie. Mm-hmm. Like you never, ever see Bill and Ted smoke weed, but it just carries that stoner vibe to it. Yeah. And uh, so I feel like its biggest like influences were like Cheech and Chong and like back to the future and a lot of stuff like that. And I just think it's really cool how you can, basically track like where it took its influence from to where people started to take influence from Bill and Ted, mm-hmm. like things like super bad and just all that buddy stuff that we were talking about. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just got this crazy cult following. It's sort of like the leading example of a cult following movie. Mm-hmm. I would say like that and evil dead. Yeah. And no, I just think it's really interesting to see how two stoners traveling through time just had such a, a wide reach on people. Well, I think it's because it's, uh, I mean, any stoner movie where it's like two dudes um, is always fun, I find. Like, I, it will be late at night and we'll put on Her- uh, Harold and Kumar and I will watch the entire thing. I'll be dead tired, but my eyeballs are just like, this is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that comedy is always a good, uh, fun time. But I think with Bill and Ted, the fact that they were, um, is so influenced by pop culture and that so much of the movie is pop culture related the fact that there are two guys trying to make a band in their parents garage and like all that kind of stuff um is so classic for like especially if you are a teenager in the 1990s right the first one came out in 89 89 yeah yeah 91 for bogus journey and so like it's that is exactly where rock is kind of put well not exactly but pretty close to kind of like that rock psychedelic era like kids in their uh garage making a band together like so i think it's very fitting in that sense and that's kind of where how it became such a pop culture thing was like oh this movie literally defines a generation of uh people who were trying to make a uh, trying to make a band Mm -hmm. um and we're just in their parents' garage, and they didn't sound good either. They're not good at all, but they're just riffing on guitars and yeah, having fun. The desire and the temptation of like early '90s rock and roll, and yeah, just exactly. how like how it was more revolved around like less of a desire to always reach fame and more just like that was fun, and that yeah. was just what a lot of them did. Mm-hmm. And especially with the fact too of like not having the conventional like time machine it's just like a f- old school phone booth mm-hmm. and i think that's super iconic because you've got the iconic like tardis from doctor who and the delorean from uh, back to the future so i fu- i think that the phone booth's really fun 
Um, I want, I now want a phone booth. Right? I, like, that'd be so cool to just have a phone booth. That could take you through time in particular. Would make it even more Yeah, cool. that'd make it even cooler, but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I'm not too familiar with Doctor Who and everything, but I do know about the TARDIS and everything. Mm-hmm. Was, do you think, the phone booth and Bill and Ted sort of, like, a, inspired by that or, like, a nod to that? Um, probably, because the TARDIS is also a phone booth. It's a British phone booth, so it... Or not a phone booth, it's a British police box. Right. So what it would essentially used to be used for was you could go in there, and it, it was a direct line to 911. Um, but I'm sure that it was... A, it was probably very... If not, like, taken from that, it was probably like, okay... Let's look at this. This looks cool. Yeah. So it's probably influenced by like it sty- somehow. Like a stylistic sort of influence for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up as far as pop culture stuff goes uh, is the fact that, uh, and we just talked about this, how you can essentially pull anyone from anywhere uh, f- for this movie. Like they have the ability to do that. The fact that they um, don't really do that for anyone in that actual time era. Like, you don't see um, them going in time during the time period they're in. They go back in time to find all the people. Like, of course, in the first one, it's all about their history. Um, But in this newest one, where it's more about a band, I love how they aren't like, let's get the greatest musicians of today. It's like, no, let's get the greatest musicians of all time. Yeah. Um, And so they kind of pull from everyone uh, and we get in this new one, we get people like Jimi Hendrix and we get Mozart. And I mean, the old ones too, we get like Sebastian, Johann Sebastian Bach and Socrates and like Billy the Kid. And so it's so fun um, to be able to do that and not be like, well, what about this generation? Like, forget this generation. Everyone knows this generation. Right. Let's go back in time. Which is, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself and I'm just going to make a brief comment about it. Sort of my biggest problem with oh, Kid yeah. Cudi's presence in uh, in Face the Music is it just feels like it's dating something. Mm-hmm. And the original movies are something that arguably would be like most people, if it weren't for like the cult following and how charming these movies are, would look at Bill and Ted and be like, oh, these are so dated. Yeah. But they're not dated by references. I mean, they are, but like they don't feel old. Like mm-hmm. those types of references, like the rock and roll references and those historic references those are different than when you have Kid Cudi blatantly like being acknowledged and addressed as Kid Cudi in your movie. And yeah. it's like, I I hope Kid Cudi has some sort of legacy, but like maybe 15, 20 years from now, everybody's going to be like, who's Kid Cudi? Yeah, exactly. Right? And, and that's the other thing too. It's like with any time travel movie, if they are looking for people in their generation, they haven't actually become icons yet. Yeah, exactly. Like all of the people that they get are from history are like known legends, icons. Like, and so um, when you have someone like Kid Cudi, who sure right now he's an icon, like every, most people know who Kid Cudi is, um, but in twenty or thirty years, like you're saying, maybe they won't. And so um, I find that's what does date that movie mm-hmm. is just the fact that they have somebody who now is a legend, sure, but. They aren't, like, cemented in history like everyone else. Exactly. Like, you could watch the movie and be like, who's Billy the Kid? I don't know who Billy the Kid is. But that's different than seeing Kid Cudi and being like, I don't know who Kid Cudi is. Because Billy the Kid is an, a known, iconic, historical figure. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, along with the fact that when you have people like Billy the Kid or, like, Socrates... And I, I was reading an article about this when we were researching what we were going to talk about. Um like history teachers have shown this like Bill and Ted in their classes. That's amazing. Because it's a great way to be like, hey, 
look at this funny uh watch this funny movie about these two guys who travel through time and get these historians but let me also tell you who these historians are mm-hmm. so it's a great way for kids to have a funny movie to watch and be like haha uh these two guys are traveling through time wild stallions all this stuff um but it's also a great way to be like hey you remember socrates here's what he uh said and did in history like right. that kind of stuff yeah and it does with all those people it does you know emphasize who they were and why bill and ted are sort of recruiting them on yeah. their journey um so one thing that i just really briefly want to address because it's really funny and it goes back to like what we've been on for the last like little bit is like it's pop culture influence and significance mm-hmm. bill and ted at Halloween Horror Nights in Universal had like a long running like 15 20 year like show really yeah where I don't obviously I'm assuming Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter weren't part of it (laughs) but uh, they had actors playing Bill and Ted Mm in each year they'd be like doing a show revolving around the big pop culture events of each year oh that's cool so every year at the Halloween Horror Nights and that just goes to show like this is a horror movie event Mm -hmm. like it's all like horror mazes and everything but Bill and Ted's like it's it's clearly inspired by like those types of things like there's lots of horror movie references and stuff and action movie references and stuff so having something like bill and ted or bill and ted at first at like universal studios would seem like a really jarring choice mm-hmm. but it just goes to show its reach and its impact and everything on not only that genre but how influenced it was by those things yeah and i think as well with a movie like this you can do that because like I said earlier, it's kind of a movie where you can do anything you want. Mm-hmm. Like, death is part of their band. Uh, they barter with God to leave heaven in the second movie. Uh, in the first movie, they're literally just dropping off Napoleon Bonaparte at their house, and it's like, Deacon, look after him. And they go to, like, a pizza place or yeah. something. And so um, it's it's one of those movies where you can just do any of that and it's totally okay it, it makes sense because there aren't any rules or parameters with this so i feel like you uh i think the reason why ted bill and ted can be so universal is the fact that they are like they have they can reach into any area of movie or tv that they want and just go for it because that's kind of the point of it is just to have fun and poke fun at other things and stuff like that mm-hmm. so to have a show where bill and ted are poking fun and like interacting with Jason Voorhees at Camp Crystal Lake and everything like that's not weird because it honestly could have been in a Bill and Ted movie yeah exactly like I think um this never ended up happening but for a long time they wanted to do a Bill and Ted movie where I don't remember who it was but they would have ended up interacting with like some like really famous horror characters and like getting stuck in like a horror movie situation and that just like like I said goes to show like their reach like they almost made a Bill and Ted horror movie like it would have been like Bill Mm -hmm. and Ted scary movie with them like poking yeah. fun of the genre. So it's like their reach is really like really broad mm-hmm. and it, and it's really cool to just see how universal it can be applied to everything. Um, now that you mentioned that, uh, I want to quickly touch upon the fact that there is a Bill and Ted TV show. It's animated, right? Animated TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never, I didn't watch anything about it, but I wonder what it's about. I like, do Did they go through time still? And they just like, Talk to random historians. We're going to watch it. I think yeah, we're gonna, we, should. We're, we should seek it out and watch it. Maybe do like a mini episode on it. Like, cause I don't know anything about it. Was it one season and then it got canceled or like, yeah. Yeah. So I, it must I not think be good. So. I could be wrong though. I think it did not last very long. That's a shame. I mean, yeah. And I think Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves were actually in that. Animated probably. Show. They probably voiced it. Cause it's from the nineties. Right. So mm-hmm. it was before they were both like 
really famous, or at least Keanu was really really famous. Yeah. Um. And and a, a little Easter egg I want to mention. Um. That I was just reminded of was the two writers for Bill and Ted are in every single movie. Really. In the first one, they're the two guys who work at the ice cream parlor where they take Napoleon Bonaparte and they sing in the song. Oh yeah. That's yeah. them. Um. Oh, what are they in the second one? In the second one. Uh, I can't remember what they are in the second one. But in the third one, the one we just watched, um, they are the two demons in hell who are just like... Oh, yeah. The way they go, like, have you seen our daughters? They're like, oh, yeah, nice girls. They went this way. Yeah, and then they make the comment about, like, or the joke about, like, robot in hell. That's weird. Yeah. Um, and so they're they're in that, and they uh, are always referenced in the, cr- the credits. Like, their character is, like, ugly and stupid. So it's like... <laughs> Ugly demon and stupid demon. <laughs> they're, just, they're just coming for their own necks. Yeah, here. I guess so. But I think that's uh, very fun that they're in uh, all the movies and they're just hanging out. Yeah, I always love little Easter eggs like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I think is really interesting is with the success of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and just how uh, it was a surprise hit. I don't think anybody really expected much of that movie mm-hmm. when it was first released. So when you have a surprise hit like that, it's really easy to be like, okay, so we're going to make a sequel. And Bill and Ted went to the past, so now we're going to pull it back to the future and have Bill and Ted go to the future, right? Yeah. It's really easy to follow that cliche path. And I think what's really cool about Bogus Journey and why I love Bogus Journey, despite if I had to rank them, it being like my least favorite, Mm -hmm. but why I still love that movie is because it's such a bold move for them to be like, okay, we have a hit where they travel through time. Let's kill them. Yeah. Like they have two robot clone versions of themselves come to Earth and kill Bill and Ted, and you go to hell with Bill and Ted and heaven with Bill and Ted, and that is just such a ballsy move for a movie studio to decide on when you have a hit like that. And I just, yeah, I just wanted to address how ballsy Bogus Journey is. Especially with the fact that, like, I think it's within, like, the first 20 minutes they die. Yeah. It's literally, like, evil Bill and Ted push them off a cliff, and they're like, see you later, Bill and Ted. And Um, then... And then, then they, you literally wake up with them in hell, and they're like, whoa, I think we're dead, dude. And yeah. it's just like, okay. One of the best lines in the entire uh, franchise where Ted goes, where are we? And Bill's like, Ted, we're dead, dude. <laughs> just like, <laughs> okay. Um. It's, it's the consistent line deliveries from Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves and just the way they play off each other that makes these movies so lovable. Yeah. And I think going further into that is it's like these – two really formed like a lifelong friendship from mm-hmm. filming these movies. So they, they filmed them in 89 and I'm, I don't want to be like too confirmed on it, but I think that was their first time meeting was in 89 when they were filming Bill and Ted and they are still like very close friends. So when they got the chance to do a third movie, like 30 years later, mm-hmm. their friendship has only grown like two decades now since we yeah. last seen them. So you're watching like that continued growth of like them actually being friends and playing off each other. And I think that's why that buddy vibe works so well is because you're watching two actual friends mm-hmm. travel through time together. And they're, and they're having fun. Like, the, these characters are so funny and so just, like, chill and relaxed that it's got to be fun for the actors to be doing that too. Um, I also wanted to talk about a little bit about more about uh, Bogus Journey um, because that movie, like you were saying, takes so many, like, risks um, and is so much like so much farther over the top than the first one. 
Um, I remember when we were watching it, I was saying that uh, I was like, wow, Bill and Ted got some budget for the second movie because they have like huge sets and like a bunch of CGI and like all this other crazy stuff, uh, especially with like the robots and everything. Yeah. Um, it's so fun to the first one was like, OK, this is a fun little adventure through time. The second one's like, let's do all of this stuff and like station. And when they make the joke about him having a nice like nice alien, alien butt, butt. <laughs> like it's so funny and the second one is i would also say that i'd have to put it at the bottom if i was ranking them um just because out of the three it's my least favorite but it's still like a solid four like i respect it so much for how ridiculous it is but i think because of that it's kind of my least favorite by default yeah. but like least favorite is such a weird term with the bill and ted movies because i don't have any amount of distaste for any of these movies yeah it's not like i dislike any of them they're just all so good that when you're trying to put them together it's like okay two is a little much yeah i love it because it's a little much yeah i think two is the craziest one but it still makes it enjoyable nonetheless the the scene where they're like ghosting into their in when uh ted ghosts into his dad that's so good i was like genuinely like laughing out loud during that scene and it's like such my type of humor like that over the top just like absolutely ridiculous like that stuff always works for me yeah and just the dialogue in that scene when like he's talking to the entire police precinct and he's just like <laughs> yeah, his dad and he's like hey guys hello other police officers and honestly the dad the way he plays ted for like so that good. one scene so good it's hilarious it's so funny and uh, we were just since you reminded me of it we were talking about how well, uh, Ted's daughter in the new one, like copies his stance. Like she's got such a similar stance to Ted. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and just the way that she holds herself is perfect to be like, Oh, that's Ted's daughter. Yeah. I think her name is uh Bridget Lundy Payne, and she's in a TV show called atypical, which she's actually really good in. Um, but seeing her play, she absolutely nails all of Keanu's mannerisms mm-hmm. and, the way he talks and like his facial expressions. Yeah. And my dad was like, we were watching it together and he was losing his mind because of just how perfectly she's like his stance. Mm-hmm. Like he stands. So like shoulders spread out. Yeah. He's got this very, like, it's almost as if when you get, when you're coming inside from getting poured down, like a pour down of rain <laughs> and you walk with like kind of your arms out a little bit and your legs apart a little bit just to, so that none of the wet clothes is touching and you're just like waddling around. Yeah. It's kind of that similar stance. He really does stand like that. <laughs> I don't know why, but he does. Uh, but yeah, the second one is a lot of fun. I still had a lot of fun with it and I love the fact that death is in their band in the second one. And I arguably, I think the second one has the best ending. Um, it does because they it, it's so funny to see them grown up with beards and uh facial hair and the they, kids on their back the, yeah the kids on the back where they call them name them bill and ted they name each other's ted's kid is gonna be named bill and bill's kid's gonna be named ted for the new one since they're both daughters their names get slightly switched to now bridget but to keep the b is it bridget i think it's bridget bridget and, and um, um thea thea yeah it's um and so we keep the B and T, which I, I thought was nice. It's a nice little touch. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, but uh, another thing I want to talk about really quickly is just a couple Easter eggs from the new one um, mostly, which are – so as m- most people know, or if you don't know, 
um, Rufus from the first movies, our trusty space guide um, who has been told to be excellent and tells everyone to be excellent. Um, in the second movie, uh, he's in the first and second movie, um, but the actor, George Carlin, uh, is that right? Yeah, Carlin, uh, he has passed away. Um, and so it's sad to see, it's kind of sad to see his hologram in the new one. We see it for like a minute um, when he's talking. It's like a hologram info booth talking about the old time machine, essentially. Yeah. Which is a really respectful and, and uh, small way of putting him in the movie and still having him physically there for them to interact with. For like, It's like this bittersweet, brief moment, but it's nice yeah. to see. It's really nice to see. And um, on top of that, we also get uh, their new guide, Bill and Ted's new guide, kind of, um, is his daughter, Rufus's daughter, Kelly. Um, and in real life, George, Carlin act- the George Carlin's actual daughter uh, is named Kelly. Um, so that's a super nice little touch as well, and it's really awesome uh, to see, like, when, when we do see him, it's really cool that he starts uh, the little info thing with saying, hello, uh, most excellent adventurers or something, like he yeah. does in the first one, like, mm-hmm. when he first sees them. I love that. And they said that they, uh, the, the director of this movie said that the original plan to include George Carlin in the movie as Rufus was to have Bill and Ted as adults uh, now travel back to the Circle K the first time that you meet Ru- Rufus. Really? And have them interact for like a brief moment. And I thought that would have been really fun. But they said the reason they ultimately didn't go with that was uh, just budgetary reasons. They said that like to to animate it all and to make it look how they wanted to would have been too expensive. And they said that if they had done that and it had looked bad, it would have been doing the opposite of honoring George Carlin, which is what they wanted to do. So they were like, we'll yeah. just give him a smaller little Easter egg. And it works. It's great. Mm-hmm. No, it's really good. Um. And then another, as far as Easter eggs go, for the new movie, um, in Bill and Ted's boat, oh, is it the second one or the first one that they make that joke? I think it's the second one. I think so. Yeah, because, so in the second one, when evil Bill and Ted uh, come back from the future, um, they, just in case it's not actually the real Bill and Ted, uh, good Bill and Ted are like, just so we know it's you what number are we thinking of and they both go 69 dudes yeah that's the second one um and so just as a little nod to that uh the new bill and ted movie was released on the 21st of august that's the usa um release date and so those months the month the date and the year which is the eighth month the 21st day and then 2020 which is 8 plus 21 plus 20 plus 20 equals, you guessed it, 69. 69, dude. <laughs> Amazing. What, and What a ridiculously clever way to include that reference in your release date of your movie. <laughs> it's so funny. It's such like a little thing that no one would ever know unless it gets pointed out, but I think it's great. And also, um, June 9th, when the first trailer for this movie was dropped, it was named Bill and Ted Day, and June 9th, 6th month, month, 9th day, 69, dudes! The so. desperation uh, or respect to hold to their vision for releasing the trailer <laughs> on that day. Like, we're in the middle of a pandemic when this trailer came out, and yeah. they were like, yeah, no, we're going to release it this day, and the movie needs to come out this yeah. day. 
No, it's amazing. I love it. it. And it's such a like a little thing that does not, it doesn't, people are like, oh, that doesn't matter. It's such a throwaway line just to put 69 in the movie. But nope, it's all, we're centered around the number 69 now. So deal it, with it. And it's like little things like that where despite the fact that this, I think it's the same writers for this movie. That yeah. It, yeah. But despite it being a new director, you can see the passion from the people involved with the movie just through little details like that. Mm-hmm. Like they went so far to include that 69 reference, and <laughs> I respect them for it. Amazing. Uh, so one thing I wanted to get into right now is just how fitting a movie like Bill and Ted comes out right now. Like how fitting it is for mm-hmm. a movie. Blah, 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 blah. How fitting it is for a movie like Bill and Ted to return after all this time gone. Now of all times, like yeah. it's. Everything is really, you know, dark these days, and uh, we could use a little more Bill and Ted right now. And to have this return happen now of all times, like it's been 30 years since we last seen them, and during such a dark period of time, that's when they draw Bill and Ted 3. I just think it's so fitting uh, that a movie with the themes of being excellent to each other and, and partying on is, is leaving the impact it is right now. Yeah, and especially with the the finale of that movie being like, this is the song that unites the world. Like, it's it's very fitting, and I think it's a lot of fun. It's a fun way to kind of be reminded that in these dark times, there's still some hope and there's still some fun to it. And like Bill and Ted in the new movie, the world is ending, and they're literally like, "What do we do? We play a rock concert." And so. I love that the the fact that what brings them together is music and how now we're in this horrible time uh, we can look to, forward to uh, Bill and Ted being the ones who will unite us. Yeah, and the director of this movie has said that uh, like the impact of the song, the final song and how it saves the world is mm-hmm. not actually the song itself, but everybody around the world coming together at one moment to play the song. And oh. I think that that revelation after all this time of that's what ended up saving the world. Like that's what Bill and Ted's purpose was, was to play this with their daughters, to play this with their, with the most legendary musicians of all time yeah. and to play it with everybody around the world. Mm-hmm. Like that is what it took was bringing everyone together. I just think that's a very positive and necessary message mm-hmm. right now. In no, particular. Yeah. It's so cool. And especially the fact that, um, Everyone, they travel around the world and the time stream to give everyone who's ever existed an instrument. I love that. It's like... It's a lot of instruments. That's a lot of instruments. Like, where do they get all those instruments? I think... Didn't they clone them? Or like, I don't... They essentially... What they essentially do is they spread themselves. It's almost as if like when they hit the infinite timeline, they are... Instead of it being like one point as them going through infinite timelines... They're reversing that where infinite timelines of them are now in one spot. In right. one spot. Well, I guess it makes sense then how they'd have infinite uh, instruments if yeah. there's infinite timelines of them. True, I guess so. Um, if you're confused about what I just said, Kid Cuddy will explain it. Yeah. Just hit him up on uh, Instagram instead he's, of a DM. He knows a lot about time travel for some reason. He's oddly smart in this movie and sort of just breaks down everything for everyone at the <laughs> yeah. ending of the movie. Bill and Ted are like, what do we do? And then Kid Cudi comes in and like, well, with by my calculations, um, if we reverse the temporal stream and flow of the universe, we should be fine. And they're just like, thanks, Kid Cudi. <laughs> yeah, they're like, thanks, Kid Cudi. I didn't know you were a scientist. He's like, I'm just reading the script. And, and then, <laughs> yeah, I'm just reading the script. <laughs> and then he oddly hits them with the, 
station before leaving. Yeah, why does he just do station? That's not even it. Okay, I need to ask because we didn't discuss it after watching the movie. I didn't Google it. Is the movie implying that Kid Cudi is station or what? What is it trying to say? Oh. Did station evolve into Kid Cudi? My God. Dude, how could we have not seen this coming? What if that's right? What if you, what if what if station was actually since he can create like two guys can come together and create one being, what if they did the same thing but instead of forming that giant thing, they formed Kid Cudi? Kid Cudi and Kanye West are the two halves of station. <laughs> <laughs> And when they run together, they form Station. Station is running for president. Uh, I can't. When did, when's the uh, when's the Station solo album coming out? <laughs> Where it's just nothing. It's it's just normal music. But then at the end of every song, all you hear is Station. Okay, we haven't really talked Station, and I just need yeah. to say, like, we talked about his uh, big Night, alien, yeah, butt, big alien butt. But that's about it. And like when Station showed up in Bogus Journey. I didn't. I wasn't even shocked anymore. Like I know. so much had happened in Bogus Journey that when he, when this thick alien pulled <laughs> up, not even a thick alien. When two thick aliens just yeah. pull up and then form one even thicker alien, dude. Like, wow, man. Bogus- and also the fact that he made two robots. Uh, that fought uh, two futuristic robots from stuff that they got it like, essentially. Our version of Kent, yeah, like or like Rona or Home Depot. Like I love that. I think it's really weird now that Rona is called Rona because you hear it and your brain instantly doesn't think of like a hardware store anymore. I immediately think of Coronas. Yeah, yeah, the beer or the coronavirus. Yeah, <laughs> you know that thing that's consumed all of twenty twenty. That thing that's been looming over my shoulder all year. Right, right. <laughs> Almost forgot about that. Um. I was wondering while watching the third one why Station didn't come back. And then while we were watching, I was like, okay, the CGI has improved so much with this third one that to include Station means they would need to upgrade his CGI to look more modern. And to do that would take away from the charm of how Station looks in the second one. Do you know why Station looks like that? Why? Because it's not animated. Oh, he's just practical suit. It's That's like two people in a costume. That's all oh. animatronic. Like, that's real. Okay, they should have just kept um, that. And so... Uh, yeah, I think if they had brought him back, they would have totally had to do a real, like, somebody in a costume, yeah, essentially. just to keep with the uh, the spirit of the second one. Yeah, exactly. If he was animated, you would know. You'd be able to tell. Yeah. Like, from that time period animation, like, the early 90s. Oh, yeah. Um, but that that was, like, a time of all anything, like, alien or anything like that. I'm sure they got a lot of that from, like, the Labyrinth and, like, George Lucas and... Um, even, uh, I was about to say Jimi Hendrix, but it's not it. Jim uh, Henson. Jim Henson. Yeah, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix, you know, his great puppet work, you know. Um, but I'm sure they got that from there as well. But, uh, Station's great. I love Station. Right? Oh, man. But Kid Cudi ruined Station by saying, Station, for no reason. I know, because now we're just forever going to wonder, is Kid Cudi Station? I think so. I think so. I hope in the, in the, if I look it up on IMDb, it says, uh, Kid Cudi as Station slash Kid Cudi. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, he was. That was right. Station went multi-platinum. You know what? I would not even be surprised. Um, Anyone can make music, man. Yeah. <laughs> In 2020? If I've learned from Bill and Ted, 
It's that no matter how ter- terrible you are, you could still have an amazing career in music. Yeah, 100%. If you time travel and take a six-month retreat and then come back to a concert you're playing. Yeah. <laughs> and rock out with a beard. I I think it's um one thing totally unrelated from what we were just talking about that I think is really cool is I love the way that in the third movie – uh, Bill and Ted's daughters get their own excellent adventure to sort of complement Bill and Ted's final excellent adventure. Mm-hmm. I think is really smart because I was watching this thinking like, okay, we're going to follow them trying to, you know, get the song and fix their relationships with their wives that they feel like they've messed up. Mm-hmm. And then the movie counteracts that by giving you this, like, it's like pretty much exactly how excellent adventure plays out with, yeah. with their daughters mm-hmm. going on at the same time. And their daughters are going back to like Louis Armstrong and, uh, Jimi Hendrix and just mm-hmm. all these uh, famous musicians from that like time frame and from the past. And they're trying to help their uh, dads make the greatest song of all time. Yeah. And I just think that that inclusion to the plot was such a smart way to do it. And I was wondering, what do you think about them, the daughters being the ones who made the song that united the world rather than Bill and Ted? I called it I, at the beginning of the movie or close to the beginning of the movie when they um, said that the, uh, song was made by didn't say their first names said Preston and Logan yeah I was like oh it's their daughters yeah um uh and so I I saw it kind of saw it coming but I really like it like I think it's a great way I think a lot of the times um when you get movies like this they try to like hold on to the idea that oh Bill and Ted could still be doing adventures but I like the idea where it's like they now pass the mantle on because Bill and Ted have matured, matured slightly, um, to the point where they now have good relationships with their wives and they're now going to try and be like actual uh, people functioning in society and not just chasing this pipe dream of uh, music. Well, it's not a pipe dream, really, because they save the world with their music. Um, but uh, it's cool to see that happen. And then it's like our daughters who are so committed to our music and have all this music knowledge. Uh, it's clear to them that they are the ones who make the song, um, and I love that so much because it doesn't it doesn't take away from Bill and Ted um, at all. They're still part of it, and they're still a huge part of it. Um, but it also allows their daughters to be a, a big part of it too. Yeah. Um, and it's an awesome way to show Bill and Ted being like passing on that torch. Right. And you know, I'm 20. Not that I'm a father, but when when you're a father that connection is like it would only make sense for them to be the people that do that for bill and ted because when when one sec when you're like a father in that situation their identity is like part of your identity like you are i think i think what you're essentially trying to say is the fact that you can see so much of their fathers in them yeah like you can see their fathers in them and when they inevitably end up being the people it doesn't take away from bill and ted's impact yeah because they're they're proud of them like Mm -hmm. and they've still raised these kids to like represent the same things that they represent right yeah and i just think it's really cool the way that they end up being the people who play it and i was worried when i like when they announced like confirmed in the plot that that was what's going to happen i was worried that it would take away from bill and ted yeah bill and ted wouldn't have any part in it like it was sort of like oh it's not us it's you guys and then they pass it on and like move on Mm -hmm. but they're still the people who play the final guitar note that does bind everything back together like they're still very instrumental in it Mm -hmm. and it's less about 
their daughters being like the chosen ones or whatever and more about the fact that they were just the people who had it in them to make this song Mm -hmm. and unite and it wasn't to take away from bill and ted but it was with them together yeah it was to allow bill and ted to mature and become uh the people they are now because without them they would have never made the song and they would have become old and jaded like they did like they had seen themselves yeah um and so it's i I think that's really cool having that aspect of joining them and being like here's the real people who made the song not actually bill and ted it's their daughters who are essentially them (laughs) yeah really though and going like going even further than that i really do like the minor subplot in this movie Mm -hmm. just of of them having to mature it's obviously it's a bill and ted movie so it's not heavy-handed but the scene early in the movie where uh ted confesses to bill that he's considering selling his guitar Mm because he can get six thousand dollars from it yeah and that he's kind of giving up on the dream it's just it shows the growth in the characters and despite you still going on this absolutely bodacious journey with them (laughs) uh it's just it's those minor things that show like they're adults and they're struggling to keep that hope of that dream despite the fact that they want to and i i just love those minor little moments like right before or right after that scene where you get him like pour his heart out, yeah, you get Kelly coming down from like space and or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like it's not too heavy handed and it's not in your face with how serious it is, but I just think it's a nice little nod to the fact that like yeah they have to grow up. Yeah, it's it's a nice way to set up the idea that they haven't made the greatest song that's going to unite the world, and now they have to in the next seventy seven minutes or whatever. Um, I think it's really cool because. It's essentially like you're like, what? Uh, Bill and Ted are over? Like he's going to sell his guitar? And it's like, psych, here's the future. Yeah. We coming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's great. And it, it does suck when you – it does feel like sad. Honestly, I was sad when I saw Bill consider – or Ted consider selling his guitar. I was like, really? The Wild Stallions, man? I know. You can't give up on the Wild Stallions. I saw it in, I saw it in Bill's face, and I was like, oh, my goodness. But um, it's, a, it's a sad moment, and it's like I don't want to take it too seriously and be like, "Yeah, I was crying to Bill and Ted." Obviously, I was not. I was. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I was getting emotional. No, but it is. A, it's a sad moment in like a a movie where like you can just see them sort of coming to terms with the fact that it's kind of a pipe dream. And I'm mm. not saying like having dreams and having hopes for success is a pipe dream, but there's got to be a point where yeah. like you still have to be able to put other things above that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think the way they handle that is really smart. It's not overbearing, but it's still nicely plant, uh, planted there. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like the... It's got the same classic start that the other movies have, where in the first one, they're stuck in the position of, if they fail history class, they're over. That kind of thing. Like, their band's done. And then the second one, uh, if they don't stop these robots, the band's done. Or if they don't get back from hell. Yeah, if they the don't get back done. from hell. Um and then it's like this one is kind of similar where it's like, oh, if you don't make the greatest song, the world's over. The band's done. Um, but instead in, of it being like this crucial thing will tear the band apart, it's the band might be torn apart unless this crucial thing happens. Yeah. And so we kind of see the inverse of that where Bill and Ted are the ones who are being like, maybe this is it. Maybe we're done. Yeah. Um, but obviously they aren't because Bill and Ted – <clears throat> wild stallions live on wild stallions forever i want a jacket that says wild stallions yeah oh man bill and ted for halloween would be an absolute fit dude amazing i i think it's uh, bill, <laughs> bill ted and then whoever's the third person is death <laughs> or rufus we get the whole squad oh, rufus. Uh, i really love the fact that they never fight 
like a, a less good movie would take the time for Bill and Ted halfway through the movie to get into some big fight where like what are you talking about? They do fight. They do. Yeah, they fight. Eat, if they fight themselves in the future. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, going off that, I like how they don't fight either. Like right? that's really fun. The movie um, doesn't have the time to pit their friendship against each other because they're Bill and Ted. Like they're not gonna. Mm-hmm. lose this friendship i love how they don't fight within each other but they do fight with themselves yeah. from like future or the past like in the newest one how all the future iterations of them suck yeah like, prison awful prison bill and ted are prison bill and ted fellas. are so cool i want prison <laughs> bill and ted i love how prison bill and ted are like dude it, we know what's gonna happen if that robot lasers us like past us and they just walk in front of him and just like beat the crap out of them i just love how they're playing this like horrible chant where it's like death and pain and death and then they're like you're gonna take our song to the future and then like normal bill and ted are like is it a song and they're like yes Yes. (laughs) like they constantly get angry over it oh it's so good um but yeah i think i I don't really have anything else to say about bill and ted do you what i have to say about other than that it's most excellent (laughs) yeah most excellent it is non 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 heinous there you go uh no what i really want to say about bill and ted is i think it's like a perfect time capsule to just like pure lighthearted fun like mm-hmm. these movies really represent a time in like the 80s and 90s where like hollywood was taking not risks i'm not gonna say bill and ted is like some risky movie yeah. but it's one of those things where you just would never expect it to have this long-running success and where 30 years later these like silly movies about dudes who needed to get information for their history paper so they travel for time you never expect it to get like a genuinely genuinely heartwarming and like sweet trilogy yeah like it was never expected to be a trilogy and i just think it's such a sweet conclusion that nobody really ever needed but i'm glad we got yeah it's like it is a great movie bill and ted face the music and it would have been really easy for it to be like trying too hard mm-hmm. or making really corny jokes or trying to like embody it way too much and it it captures the essence like pretty perfectly in my opinion yeah no i think that it's just a fun it's a fun time and it doesn't take itself too seriously and it doesn't try to be something it's not like movies i think movies like this where they just have fun and they have it's more about the two characters interacting with the rest of their environment and going through like that i love them like they're just so fun to watch and especially with these two very lovable characters of bill and ted and it just makes this movie all these movies amazing Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I had to definitively give a final score for all three movies, individually, they're all, I'd probably give the first one a four and a half, the second one a four, and the third one a four. Um, okay. I think that's my ranking. The entire trilogy, though, gets a solid four. Yeah. I would agree with giving the entire trilogy a solid four. I would rank the first one a four and a half. Bogus Journey, maybe a 3.5, mm-hmm. and uh, and Face the Music at a 4. Yeah, Face the Music and Bogus Journey get are at the same level for me because I like them both, um, and I like Bogus Journey too much to put it any lower. Than a 4. Than a 4. Yeah. Uh, just because it's so ridiculous and over the top and just so fun. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't mean I don't don't think if I could give like decimal point ratings, I give Bogus Journey like a three point or a three point three point eight two four six <laughs> nine. 
snuck it in there. Oh. Also, oh wait, really quickly before John, <laughs> the last Easter egg I remembered was the fact that um, the first numbers they punch in for the infinity number is six nine. <laughs> I almost knew you were gonna bring up another sixty nine. The 69 references never stop with Bill and Ted. They never stop. Um, I feel like if we were to ever get like some sort of con- like continuation in the Bill and Ted franchise, it would actually be really cool to see a movie with, with their daughters. I would absolutely love that. And like you could obviously they'd come back as like like Bill and Ted would actually come back in like cameo roles, like a smaller role or something. But yeah, no, like it's one of those things where nobody ever thought in 2020 we'd be talking about Bill and Ted continuing. Yeah. And if they start making Bill and Ted spinoffs, I'm here for it. I am totally ready for the Bill and Ted movie where um, somebody goes back in time and kills younger Bill and Ted. And older Bill and Ted start, like, disappearing. And their two daughters have to go back in time and stop whoever's trying to kill Bill and Ted so that they don't get erased as well. Oh, my God, man. Bill and Ted. I just made Bill and Ted Ted 4. Hit me up. Come on. Keanu Reeves. Keanu, hit me up. I am absolutely with that. I would be so down for that. And I'd love to see see, um, their daughters, like, trying to figure out where it happens. And so we get, like, the classic old footage from the first and second movie. um, But it's just their daughters, like, blipping in and out of, like, scenes. And they look out the door. It's like, nope. And they keep going. Yeah. You know, I that'd think be a, that'd be really fun. That'd be a lot of fun watching them like trace the entire trilogy, trying to find out where this happened. Yeah, that'd be great. But yeah, that, I think that's about it for Bill and Ted. So you guys can uh, listen to other episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple Music and iTunes. Uh, yeah, all of them. <laughs> um, even Apple TV. We're on there too. Just look, find us. <laughs> Just signed an exclusive streaming deal. Exactly. Um, but yeah, you can check out our Instagram as well at the Dive and Movie Cast, where we post movie news and all that good stuff. Um, you can also check out our individual Instagrams. I'm at Wesley Giffen, and I am at Hayden Kutras. And it's the same thing for our letterbox. If you want to check out our ratings for movies and movies we've been watching, um, and as we leave you here, uh, we just want to say one thing to everyone out there: be excellent to each other. And, and party, party on, on, dudes. See, See you, you on the next episode. Thank you for listening. See you guys next time. Bye.